Welcome back to the Fail Mary podcast. Week 12 was a week of big matchups and just generally me being very spot on. Uh, four teams separated from me this week and that's the story coming up. Of course, we also have mailbag, games of the week and another Akastaka attempt after last week's 4-5 and five result. Mm-hmm. But first, the headlines. The AFC South battle between Houston and Indianapolis was for the top of the division and ended 2017 to the Texans. This was one of those games, Colts did literally everything right. They ran the ball well, they dominated the time of possession, they didn't turn it over, they converted more third downs, but ultimately, Deshaun Watson is a special QB, and Brissett is not. Sorry, guys. Uh, the Saints beat Carolina 34-31. The Panthers came back twice in this game, and were drawing 31-31 when Breeze led New Orleans on a 65-yard drive to set up a field goal in the dying moments. Joey Sly, that's the kicker for Carolina, who's jacked, by the way, missed a field goal just before the start of that New Orleans drive, so should have been going to overtime. But, got to put it through the uprights. Kyle Allen had a better game in this one, 256 yards and three touchdowns. Two surprising results, if you can call the Falcons losing a surprise at this point. Uh, The Buccaneers beat Atlanta Atlanta 35-22. Chris Godwin had 184 receiving yards. And the Jets absolutely hammered the Raiders, 34-3. Darnold had 127.8 passer rating. Carr, 52. Not quite as good, Um, unfortunately. The Jets had 30 points and a win in three straight games now. That's a late playoff surge, Christian Mark? (laughs) Probably not. In the Battle of the Birds, Seattle Seahawks beat the Philadelphia Eagles 17-9. Neither QB was particularly good in this game, but the Seahawks ran the ball effectively and the Eagles turned over five times. Basically, they beat themselves once again. And last week, Brady told the Cowboys how they'd beat them. Uh, Defence and special teams is what he said. That's what our team is about. And that's exactly what happened. The Patriots won 13-9. The only TD came after a Patriots blocked punch, punt, which started a drive on the Cowboys 12 Jason Garrett out, we did say last week, needed to win this one. And the two most impressive performances of the week were the Ravens beating the Rams 45-6 and the 49ers beating the Packers 37-8 respectively. We'll talk more about both of these games coming up. Uh, but that will end the stories of the headlines and we will look at the standings now. In the AFC, the Patriots are 10-1, the Ravens 9-2, they are 1-2 seeds. The Texans and the Chiefs are topping of the divisions, they're 7-4 each. And the wild card spaces, currently the Bills are 8 and 3, they're reasonably stable at this point. And the Steelers are 6 and 5. In the Hunter, three teams all on 6 and 5. The Steelers, the Raiders, the Colts, with the Steelers, sorry, the Raiders, the Colts, and the Titans. So, a bit of a scrum to get that final space in the AFC. In the NFC, however, the 49ers are 10 and 1, and the Saints 9 and 2, topping their divisions and the top two seeds. Packers are 8 and 3, and Cowboys 6 and 5. Seahawks are nine and two, and the Vikings are eight and three. Those are the two wild cards. So the only team realistically with a chance of getting it at this point are the Eagles if they can catch the Cowboys in the division. Although the way they're playing, not really likely. But it all sounds very complicated. But in reality, there are only four teams to keep an eye on anymore. These are the Super Bowl ones, and that is our story of the week. So as far as I'm concerned, the uh, the AFC Championship and the NFC Championship games are decided. They're done. We're ready for them. We've got 
Oh my goodness, how many weeks have we got left? Seven? Five? Six? Oh goodness. Five, it's five weeks left. We've got five weeks left until the playoffs, the season's officially over and the playoffs begin. But for me, we're there. We're there. By this point, you can tell who has it and who doesn't. And the four teams that are on display this weekend that all are habit and are, are championship game bound are for me the Patriots, the Ravens, the 49ers and the Seahawks. And they all are bizarrely have this one similarity. None of them play the same, but they are all similar. Um, even if due to scheduling... I have to say this first, even due to scheduling, the Saints make the championship game, which they could because 49ers and the Seahawks are in the same division, which means they're not getting one and two seeds. Um, but basically, even if they eventually end up playing each other, it will be the Saints playing whoever won out of that game, and then whoever wins that will beat the Saints. So, done, sorted, same thing really. Uh, and I'm not joking, as a four, they are easily the most well-positioned for a Super Bowl run. They all have things in common, which is that their ability week to week to be a completely different outfit is just unparalleled. Um, this is what makes offense work in the NFL. If you remember the three things at the beginning of the year I said that you need to do to win. Defense, check. Yeah, they've all got defense, but there are good defenses throughout the NFL. Run the ball. Yep, always good. But then Tennessee can run the ball. Jacksonville can run the ball. There's lots of teams that can run the ball effectively. So, you know, still not separated. Head coach QB pairing. This is where it's separating, Okay. When you think about what happened this weekend, the Ravens were heading to LA on Monday night. And everyone was sort of saying, you know, the Ravens' offense is amazing. It's been really effective. But they're playing against the Rams' defense, which is full of all these stars. They've got Aaron Donald. They've got Jalen Ramsey. This is going to be a difficult game. They're going to have to make sure Lamar runs at his absolute best. This is going to be difficult. Maybe force him out of the pocket and try and get him to do different things. Blah, 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 blah. Five touchdown passes from Lamar. I mean, 45-6, how is that? They were, the Rams were obviously expecting run, and what did the, the Ravens do? Uh, pass. Pass over the top five times. They scored on six consecutive drives against one of the, supposedly one of the, the best-staffed defensive groups in the NFL. That is brilliant coaching from Harbaugh. Harbaugh. Never decided how to say that one. Going with Harbaugh. Look at the 49ers. One of the best QBs in history comes to town against Aaron Rodgers. Everyone expects the 49ers to go run heavy, you know, run the ball, keep Rodgers off the field, win it that way. What does Shanahan do? No, we'll let Rodgers play for 40 minutes and sack him five times and keep him to less than 100 passing yards. What? Your defensive front and your is is good, yes, but running the ball is your thing. Why are you passing the ball? So, oh, that's why you're passing, because you are destroying the the Green Bay Packers up front couldn't move the ball ran it reasonably well but when Rodgers tried to pass forget it Nick Bosa was basically he was basically wearing Nick Bosa like a cape it looked quite painful it's quite heavy but it uh, that's what happened go to the Seahawks Wilson is playing an MVP level this season um watch him carry the team again you know they're going to the Philadelphia Eagles and he's just let Wilson do his thing uh no let's run on one of the most physical defenses in the NFL let's absolutely destroy them up the middle and let's ask Wilson to make one play. And then defensively, without Jadavian Clowney, let's destroy them. Which they did. Limited them to nine. Wilson, one trick play. A sort of sideways flea flicker. Straight into the end zone. That's all they needed him to do. For this game, just handing off, you know. Hand off, hand off. Won the game. Worked. And of course, the Patriots. Cowboys, just personnel-wise, so much better than the Patriots. So, what does Belichick go? Do, looks at the weather forecast, sees that Foxborough is going to be hell, knows that the Cowboys won't be able to pass, knows that he won't be able to pass, knows that he probably won't be able to run because Cowboys' defensive group's good enough. So let's catch them on special teams. Let's get one good field position. 
Let's score a touchdown with our rookie who hasn't caught a touchdown all year. Done. And then let's pass to a chap called Jacoby Myers, who I've not heard of, but is apparently quite good and passed him four times for nearly 80 yards, bought them time, and they walked out of the game. These four, and I understand they have good offensive personnel, they're making things work, they have the players, but these four coaches are coaching in 3019 because what they're able to do that other coaches haven't been able to do, like like the Saints coach, Peyton, or at the Packers with um, Flowers. Lafleur even, not Flowers. Uh, the Chiefs with Andy Reid, the brilliant head coach. Vikings, Zimmer, an, a, an amazing head coach. But all these teams, Texans, Bills, you can talk about all of them, all very well coached, but their offensive approach to each game is trying to do the things that they do particularly well. And when you watch these four teams, every they are all Swiss Army knifing their way through the season. They go to a team, they set out a game plan, it's usually different from what's expected of them, and that's how they beat you. How do you prepare for that? I don't. If you're going to prepare for the Ravens right now, what do you do? Pack the box and wait for Lamar to run on you? Well, he's going to pass over you. Put in DBs and wait for him to pass on you? They're going to run on you. Mark Ingram's going to beat you. It is impossible to react to teams when you don't know what they're going to bring week to week. And this is why they're going to carry themselves all the way to the championships. Because if they go to the Saints, or if they go to one of these other teams, you know what to expect. The Saints are going to come to you. Drew Brees is going to look for Michael Thomas all game. And they're going to pick you apart that way. And it against most teams, it works. But if you are good enough, if you are well coached enough, you can slow down teams when you know what's coming. You can't possibly tell what is coming from these teams. I can't tell. Every single time I watch them, I'm like, it just... Who who's that? I mean, the Patriots are the kings of it. Jacoby Myers, who's that? Doesn't matter. Seahawks, receiving group made up of Tyler Lockett and some twelve-year-olds that they found playing outside the stadium. Doesn't matter. We'll run the ball or we'll pass. Doesn't matter. Forty ers George Kittle was injured for four weeks. Didn't really make much of a difference. Comes back this week, ruins them. But also they ran the ball really well, and also their def- defensive line destroyed them. And if you can go from week to week and pick your way of beating a certain team and that team has to basically pick their own poison what they're going to get beaten with then that is what separates teams from being good like the saints and the packers and the chiefs and the vikings who are all good teams and teams being super bowl worthy because being on this sort of higher plane of thinking is the coaching that will win you super bowls the 49ers are playing the ravens this week what a game that is going to be can't wait and now it's time for Mailbag. I had a really good, quite a long uh, message on Instagram this week talking about the the MVP race and how Lamar and Russell Wilson compare and the stats that they they both don't set ridiculously good um, statistics in various areas and yet are still in the MVP race. And then the question was, so which of these stats that they aren't the top of should we not be paying attention to? Which is a very good question and was very eloquently put. Um... If you ever look at the the passing yard stat, which gets thrown around quite a lot, like how many yards they pass for this season, he's so good because he's passed for a lot of yards. Um, let me tell you the top five QBs this season in terms of passing yards. Uh, Dak Prescott, fair enough, he's got 3,433. Number two, Jameis Winston, 3,391. Number three, Philip Rivers, 3,169. Four, Jared Goff. 2995 and 5 quite surprisingly actually is Tom Brady with 2942 Lamar just for a point of reference is down 18 in terms of just specifically just passing yards and this raises a very good point 
obviously QBs have to throw the ball, and the more they throw the ball, the more yards are going to put up. That's their job. But situationally, passing yards doesn't take into account a lot of things like how many of those yards were picks. Like, did he pass it 80 yards straight to a QB? Quite possibly. Uh, sorry, a DB? Quite possibly. Doesn't account for that. Um, how often does he miss? Doesn't tell you if he passes for lots of amazing yards, but could get even more if he was hitting his targets. Doesn't tell you anything about that. It also it indicates that the the team were in a lot of losing games. Because if you're losing, you're forced to try and score points as quickly as possible, which is usually done by passing. So it tends to be like James Winston, for example, someone who's always in a shootout and always forced to pass the ball as much as possible. So when you look at a passing yard stat, and I want you to think, because James Winston is, you know, they're all good QBs, he's top five, but all situationally in games where they just score, Dak Prescott's defence isn't doing much for him. Apart from Brady, interesting outlier, but Goff, Rivers and Winston are always constantly throwing the ball. As a three, three out of these five have thrown a lot of picks this year. Uh, I think it's something like half of all picks this season between them have come from these guys. And then if you add Daniel Jones in there, it gets even worse because he throws a lot. But yes, in terms of statistics that don't necessarily correlate to success, being able to throw the ball for a lot of yards doesn't mean you're doing it well or successfully. It genuinely means that your team's not very good and you're having to pass a lot. And it doesn't tell you anything about how good your passing actually is. It just means you're getting it done. So it could also be a two-yard pass, which then goes for 98 yards. So when you're looking at QB statistics, and I understand that Lamar's in the MVP and Russell's in the MVP, and they're both down the list, it's more important that they pass efficiently than they pass for lots of difference, and that makes sense. So good question, passing yards. Try and factor them out when thinking about how good a player is, a QB is, because it's not that important. It's not important that Julian Edelman has passing yards either. It's all relevant to their situation and how well they're doing so. Good question. Question number two. And this one says, I know you don't like receivers, but who currently is the best receiver in the NFL? Another interesting question. I, I like the premise of this because the ones you would traditionally think are, you know, the stars like OBJ, um, Julio, haven't been that much of a factor this year. Again, let's look at let's look at the stats. Which receivers have got the most receiving yards this year? Uh, number one's Michael Thomas, 1,242. Chris Godwin of Tampa Bay is 1,071. Mike Evans, Tampa Bay, 1,043. Julio Jones, 950. DJ Moore, 905. In terms of who's the best, the job of the, the wide receiver is to catch the ball and to you know, run the routes, do some blocking, but mainly catch the ball and work within scheme. I think purely because his QB gives him very little opportunity each week, and yet he still manages to consistently put up these great numbers. Chris Godwin has been unreal this year, and he's never been in the conversation about best wide receiver before. But you look at Michael Thomas, he, yes, he catches, he's caught the most, but he's constantly schemed up to catch the most because he's their like, go-to player, and Drew Brees is a very accurate thrower. Chris Godwin's not the schemed-up go-to player in that system. Mike Evans probably is. They've also got you know Cameron Bray and OJ Howard. <clears throat> That's the team of the ta- tall people, isn't it? Chris Godwin's the only non-tall person in the wide receiver team of the tall people. Tampa Bay. See what I did? Um, but James Winston isn't an accurate thrower. So when Chris Godwin makes a catch, it's quite often because he did some ridiculously good adjustment. To, I mean, did you see this catch? his catch on the weekend where as the guy was coming, as he was catching the ball, the guy absolutely like cleaned him out and he went through his own legs and like pinned it one-handed to his chest under his leg? In terms of just full-on ability to catch and hold onto the ball, Chris Godwin has been 
unreal this season. So, no, I don't necessarily think wide receiver is the most important position. They do make very entertaining plays. Chris Godwin is providing a lot of entertainment this season um, at Tampa Bay. But again, gets a lot of throws thrown his way because they're constantly chasing. So, wouldn't necessarily be up there. That's my point. This is, okay, this is my overall point is that circumstance matters. There are lots of good receivers throughout the league who just aren't getting thrown the ball at the moment. There's one in Washington called Terry McLaurin. You've probably not even heard of him, but every time he gets a chance, he's doing a lot to make the most of it. But currently, based on form and the fact that he's getting a lot of productivity and catching the difficult catches, I'm going to say Chris Godwin, the best wide receiver in the league at the moment. Second most receiving yards, one of the worst QBs. It just makes sense. Adds up. Those two things add up. And final question, who do I see making the final AFC playoff place? Yeah, I do feel like Buffalo have pretty much cemented their place. They're 8-2. and two. So, I mean, even if they are ahead of the Texans and the Chiefs who are ahead of them because of the divisional thing, but 8-2 and two with, what's that, five games remaining? I mean, even if they only get a couple of wins in that, 10 is going to be enough, surely, at this point, where, everyone, where all the other teams are sat on 6-5. and five. So the teams that are on six and five are the Steelers, the Raiders, the Colts, the Titans. First of all, not the not the Steelers. I'm sorry. They're defensively very well organised. They're trying their best offensively, but they've had to bench their Mason Rudolph, who was their backup QB. So now we're going to get two weeks of this guy called Duck. <laughs> That's genuinely his nickname. They were making quacking noises when he came on. His real name is Devlin Hodges, but his nickname was Duck because he had a a record. He won some duck noise contest. I don't know. It was a very American thing. But anyway, they're not going to win with him, especially with their sort of, I mean, pop gun offense at the very best. So not including the Steelers, even in the conversation. Oakland, I liked until this week, and then they got exposed defensively in a really bad way and offensively couldn't get it going. And whether or not this is whether Derek Carr has a game like that or not, I don't, doesn't necessarily matter. I think Oakland will fall away as as people commit more to just stopping the run and making Derek Carr do stuff, which is what the Jets did very well. So it's going to be between the Colts and the Titans, who are playing this weekend in a very crucial game. They're very similar teams, well-coached, run the ball well, have good organisation defensively, lacking star power, some would say. The Colts probably have more in terms of like Quentin Nelson and T.Y. Hilton. I have to say I like Tannehill more than more than Brissett at the moment. Brissett is very much... We've talked about how Brissett is in a scheme that doesn't suit him because this scheme was built for luck and they've tried to adjust it and done a good job, but ultimately it doesn't perfectly suit Brissett's skill sets. So they, the Colts are more likely to improve as a team, team, whereas the Titans have had this new QB who's had success, but then more film. Defences learn how to deal with you, take a step back. So I think the Colts will trend in the, in the right direction. I want to see how long it takes for people to suss out Tannehill as a QB. He was good at, remember he had a, a 10 and 5 season with the Dolphins not that long ago. So he is a, a competent QB at the very least. And I think he's got a higher ceiling than Brissett, probably. God, I've got to make a call, haven't I? Colts, just, just based on logic, I'm going with the Colts. Very similar teams, but I think, I, I prefer how the Colts approach the run game. And unless Derek Henry has a big game, the Titans tend to struggle a bit more. Very well coached. Defensively and offensively well organised. Interesting QB situations. Yeah, I'm, Colts, Colts are at the final playoff place. But honestly, this game this weekend is huge. Because if, 
If the Titans can beat the Colts this weekend, then they're a game ahead and then go into an easier run towards the end of the season. So it's going to be very interesting to see. Can't wait to watch it. And that will do us for Mailbag this week. Let's move on to Games of the Week. And it's a very special week in Games of the Week because it is Thanksgiving in America on, I believe, Thursday. I don't celebrate Thanksgiving, obviously. But I think it's on Thursday, and that means that they, they, they put on more games because it's like a tradition in America to sit down, eat pumpkin pie, and watch football, apparently. I, to be honest, that was mainly guesswork. That's what I've seen in films. <laughs> that's, that's what I base most of my opinion on America on. Anyway, so there is three games on Thursday evening, so I can give you an extra game of the week because we've got the Sunday six slot, six o'clock slots and nine o'clock slots and then we've got Thursday evening as well and there is one game on Thursday evening that is absolutely fascinating so the Cowboys are America's team they're the most popular team in America as a whole they're known as America's team can't really work out why it might just be because Jerry Jones is a very good marketer but there doesn't seem to be any definitive history they've just been around for a very long time and successful for quite a long, well, relatively successful, banter, for quite a long time. This Thursday evening game uh, is the Bills are heading to the Cowboys. And I'm absolutely fascinated to see how this goes, because on paper, you would think that the Cowboys win that. But I'm going to tell you who the Cowboys have lost to this season. The Patriots, the Vikings, the Jets, the Packers and the Saints. AKA, excluding the Jets, which was, you know, just one of those games, they've lost to pretty much every good team that they face, every team with a, a stronger record than them, they have lost to. And you got to remember, the Bills are 8-3. and three. Sorry, I had to remind myself. The Bills are 8-3, and three, which is considerably better record than the Cowboys. So it's going to be really interesting to see Dak Prescott go against this Bills secondary that was unreal last week, but is playing a much better group this week. Amari Cooper didn't catch a single catch last week, so he's got to make a comeback. It's at the Cowboys, so it's going to be a brilliant spectacle. I can't help thinking that the Bills... This is the this is the sort of game where Jason Garrett wins it and Joe Jones can justify giving him another year as the head coach job. But if he loses this, then this has to be the end of Jason Garrett because that will mean he literally cannot beat anyone who has a better record than him this season, which is really poor. So... As we approach this game, it matches up quite nicely for the Bills. They've got this good secondary. They've Josh Allen is improving against, and it's against a Cowboys defense that is hugely underwhelming at the moment. So it starts at nine thirty on Thursday evening. That's tomorrow. That's well today if you're listening now. Tomorrow as I record it. So, God, do I have to pick a team? Yeah, I think the Cowboys will probably edit just based on being at home and managing to limit Josh Allen and get some points going. I expect low scoring, and I think it's going to be an amazing game either way. So that's 9.30 on Thursday. That's your first game of the week. Second one, it had to be. The 49ers are going to the Ravens. This is all going to hinge on the 49ers. The games that the 49ers have struggled in, which was against... They lost to Seattle, and they've come close against the Cardinals. So basically... They aren't as good when they play mobile QBs, and they're about to face the most mobile QB in the league at the moment. The Ravens are the favourite. I agree with that. I think the Ravens are just so unbelievably unique in how they play the game and how they approach each week that even Kyle Shanahan's going to struggle. This could be bizarrely high scoring, considering how good both defences are as well. It's going to be really interesting to see how the Ravens' 
approach this game defensively and what they decide to do, my instinct would be let's make Garoppolo do all the work because he's been very rarely called on to do that. And the one time they lost is that one time where he was called on to do that. But then again, the Ravens have a really good secondary. So will they just rely on their best defensive group and, and sort of allow a bit of movement up front if that means he can't pass as much to all these great receivers? This is a game, as we talked about at the beginning, these teams approach every week in such a unique way. And I can't wait to see how they... they there's people sat in rooms somewhere now strategizing how to win this game. And I wish I could listen to Harbour and Shanahan as they approach this game because it is going to be mad. And I think the first... 15 minutes the first quarter are going to set out both teams stalls and then it will be about who can adjust most successfully in the game because they're both going to show something new offensively a new approach something a little bit different so they can't just be schemed against and then it'll be about who adjusts the best on defense and I think Harbour is a more experienced and a better defensive coach than the Shanahan so I think the Ravens it's at Baltimore as well but I mean Either way, what an absolute great game to watch. That is at 6 o'clock on Sunday. And the last one, this is maybe will surprise you. I'm picking the Rams at the Cardinals at 9.05 Sunday evening. Kyler Murray is now the best rookie QB. He should be. He was a first-round pick. But he has been unbelievably good in his game management this season. He, Which is the one thing I don't expect from a rookie. He hasn't balled out and gone mad as much as I'd like him to and shown off his ridiculous talent set, which he clearly has. But what he has done is hardly turn the ball over. I think he's thrown about three picks all season. He's used his feet well, but not copiously. He's still trying to throw the ball and get the ball out. He's elevated his offensive weapons. I think the Rams are there for the taking defensively. They've got Chandler Jones, who has the second most sacks in the NFL, to get after Jared Goff, who's showing to be less and less mobile every week. This game is going to be closer than you think. And it's interesting to see... Cardinals off a bye, well organised, reasonably well coached, even with this rookie at the moment who, Cliff Kingsbury, sorry, who's um who's new to the coaching game and still proven to be a better organiser than I thought a rookie head coach would be. So this is going to be a really interesting game. Can the Rams' defence pick themselves up after getting absolutely trashed by the Ravens? How good are the Cardinals off the break? Again, a lot of questions around this game, but either way you get to see Kyler Murray, who's just such underrated rookie player at the moment so that is our last game that is at 9.05 on Sunday evening tune in for that one I will be watching all three of those games and finally and slightly more triumphantly than than has previously been the case we can do our Akastaka which after last week I mean I made the mistake of thinking Atlanta were good can you blame me they did look good for two weeks but they aren't so won't be making that mistake again we have five more teams. Again, I like these. Here we go. Number one, the Bills plus six and a half at Dallas. I've told you what I think of this game. This is a huge tech test for Dak and the Cowboys at the moment, especially for Jason Garrett, because he needs to prove that he can beat teams that are, better, that are, are performing better than them. The Bills offensively made progress last week, but weren't against a great defense. But then are the Cowboys a good defense? I'm not really sure. Plus six and a half. It's a very big margin for a team with one of the best defences in the NFL. So, it's in Dallas. It'll be a very interesting game. But I think even if the Bills don't win it outright, which they definitely could, six and a half is a very big margin. So I think that game ends up something more like 20 to 15 or 20 to 16 is, is what I expect from that game. 
Either way, either way, either team winning. Uh, next one, the Packers minus six and a half at the Giants. I know they're away. The Packers got embarrassed this week. Aaron Rodgers doesn't like being embarrassed. What Aaron Rodgers does like is playing teams that make him look very good. The Giants' defense is terrible. They don't push anyone around offensively either, which is what the Packers have struggled with. I expect Aaron Jones to just go off this week. Saquon Barkley is also struggling for the Giants because he's their only real useful weapon week in week out. So teams just prepare for him. Daniel Jones can barely hold on to the ball, has fumbled the most times of any QB, which you kind of need to hold on to the ball if you want to throw touchdowns, Daniel. So I think minus six and a half for a, for a team that can't defend or attack against a team that can definitely attack and is getting better at defending, that isn't that big a margin. Also better on the Aaron, Ro Aaron Rodgers comeback factor. Number three, the Jets minus three at the Bengals. Did anyone else watch the Jets absolutely destroy Oakland last week? And now they're playing a worse team. Are they expected to somehow not be good offensively anymore? The Bengals lost to the Steelers by more than three. Um, so logically, they're going to lose to the Jets by more than three because the Jets are a better team. I don't really understand the line on this one. I've done my research to make sure that the Jets players are all healthy. They are. It's in Cincinnati, but I don't see why this is such a close line. I don't understand that one at all. Number four. Interesting one again. Titans plus two and a half at the Colts. I'm betting the number here because these teams are very, very similar. It's all going to depend on can Tannehill sustain another week of strong performance. He was good last week. He, more than being good last week, he was he added a, a, a dimension to their offense that they haven't had with Mariota that he was willing to like run and truck people and put a bit more aggression and passion into the offense, which used to be Taylor Lewan's job on his own. So it will be interesting to see how the Titans offense continues to operate they ran really well last week, but that won't happen. The Colts have been running really well, but two teams that like to run and control possession suggests low-scoring games. So two and a half is the number I'm betting. I think the Titans will keep that close. And finally, I'm going for the Cardinals at the Rams, plus three. Again, I like the line. I like Kyler Murray. I like the fact they've had a bye. I like the fact they're at home. I like the fact that they're sacking really well and Jared Goff can't move. Sean McVay is still a very good offensive coordinator, but they've got a good secondary. They've got led by Patrick Peterson. The question will be, can Aaron Donald and the D-line contain Kyler Murray? If he can, then the Rams have a chance to run away with it. If he can't, it's going to be close because Arizona are being very successful at moving the ball. So, plus three, Kyler Murray. I watched the Rams last week not be able to shut down Lamar Jackson. Kyler Murray is another mobile quarterback. They've had a bit of practice, but I still don't think they're going to be able to stop this young and dynamic talent. So, that is... Bills plus six and a half, Packers minus six and a half, sorry, Bills plus six and a half at Dallas, should probably tell you the team. Packers minus six and a half at the Giants, the Jets minus three at the Bengals, the Titans plus two and a half at the Colts, the Cardinals plus three versus the Rams. That's a lot of away teams, but a lot of good lines for teams that like to control possession and do well. So there is my stacker and that is the end of another fail mary thank you very much for listening please feel free to get in contact on twitter and instagram i love that i absolutely loved the the message about the mvp conversation that was really really good thank you for that um at mk fail mary is my twitter and facebook no it's not my facebook it's my twitter and instagram my facebook is just fail mary i've just spilled my tea i'm going to go and clean that up thanks very much for listening see you next week